0: The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club i'm john burke and with me as always Corey Starr.
1: hello hello hello
0: and this week on the episode we're going to be reviewing garden state um zach braff's garden state to be exact uh but before we do that we like to catch up a little bit and talk about what we've been watching um but Corey, how you been
1: trying not to die of heat stroke been working some overtime making that money (laughs) how are you
0: (laughs) i've been fairly busy and yet also not busy um you know, we recorded early. Uh, usually we record on Friday nights, which is what tonight is. Um, but last episode we recorded on a Tuesday. So it's been a while since we've spoken. And that means I have seen a lot of movies. Um, I will do a quick summary of what I have used. Um it's, it's quite a few. But um, before that, uh, you know, I've been lesson planning, um, getting ready for next year and kind of figuring out how I want to uh, approach my classes. Um, you know, I teach high school film and also yearbook, which yearbook fairly runs itself. I'm more concerned with uh, planning for my film classes. I have the best curriculum I think I've mapped out for myself ever. Um, And yet at the same time, it's still a lot of decisions. And uh, there's so many great movies and I wanna show them all of the movies. And that is always of course impossible. So like deciding what to show and when to show it becomes a, a bit of a struggle at times. Um, you, you know, like, cause even if they've seen a movie, it's worth watching again, but uh, you know, it, it's, it's always up and down, but um, I've also been buying too many movies this month, Corey. This Criterion thing is evil.
1: It can be, but you know, <laughs> well, we're not... probably gonna buy them anyway, you know what I mean? <laughs> Actually, True. I don't know, I feel like maybe half of them we would buy anyways, we're just getting them on sale, but then we're also like... But I'm kind of getting two for one. Can't pass this up. It's the price of a regular Blu-ray.
0: Well, you know, um, I bought several, and I posted those on Instagram, but then I did buy two more um, on Prime Day because they had, uh, like, an additional discount, which you pointed out to me. Um, And then I got to order some for work for my classroom, which aren't mine. They're not, like, I don't get to keep them, but, you know, I, I pick movies that I know that will hold up if I ever leave which I'm not planning on leaving and I hope they have no plans on getting rid of me but uh if it ever happens I like to have I've been building the library over the years so that because the first five years I taught this class I all the movies were my personal collection and so I've been slowly building the library um over the last couple years to make sure that if I ever leave or if they ever get rid of me that there's going to be a good collection of films available for the students so the class continues and um so I, I got to do a little shopping uh, on the Criterion Collection for that as well. And then uh, Isle of Dogs came out on Tuesday. So I had to buy that because I really enjoyed that movie. Um, but yeah, so I guess, you know, I just got to stop buying movies for a little bit. And it's that's probably never going to happen. It's hard.
1: <laughs> it's really hard. I only bought, um, for Criterion, this time I've only bought two. I bought Midnight Cowboy. Mm. And I'm forgetting the other one that I bought. And then for Prime Day, I only bought Tank Girl, which oh. <laughs> maybe isn't the best movie, <laughs> but I like it a lot anyway.
0: On Criterion?
1: No, no, no. Okay. This was not Criterion. It was just part of uh, Prime Day. I was and I've been wanting it, and it was on sale for, I think, like 18 and then 20% off. And I was like, okay.
0: Well, you know, I don't usually talk shop, per se, on the... I guess we kind of do. But um, I'm, I'm looking to uh, start... Not another podcast, but a... Holy hell. You, well, you know we do the interview episodes on Top 5, and I've been trying to break away from that, because I've, I've found it very challenging to get people to commit to doing a Top 5 list, or they, you know, some they're a little resistant, or um, even when they do the list, they always want to preface it, like, this list could change, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's the the fun, but...
1: It's just uh, for right now.
0: Everyone gets kind of nervous, so my thought yeah. is to do uh, called a, a new segment or new episode style called Defensive. And then um, we have a person come on and they, they're they going to at some point pick a movie that they're going to get defensive about. So like you just did with Tank Girl. Like, you know, I know it's not the best. You know, like immediately you're like already on guard that people are going to make fun of you. It's like me with Hudson Hawk. Um, you know, telling people that I like Hudson Hawk is a risk because people are going to be like, oh, my God, you like that movie? And so I think it'd be fun to like do like a normal interview, but end with them defending uh, a movie that they love despite the negative reactions out there. Um, so that might be coming in the near future, folks. Um, I've already been talking to a few people about uh, being guests, and I think that's the format we're going to kind of switch the interview-style episodes to. But um, I just came from a movie, but we're going to get through our uh, watch list. Um, going back to November... Not November. Good Lord. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. Apparently my head is in November. Uh, July 11th. Uh, which is the day after we recorded our E2 Mama Tambien episode, a film Corey unfortunately did not like. Um, I have seen uh, Sorry to Bother You, Skyscraper, Hearts Beat Loud, The Philadelphia Story from 1940, Midnight Cowboy 1969, His Girl Friday from 1940, Sullivan's Travels, 1941, Hotel Transylvania 3, uh, Summer Vacation, Garden State, The Equalizer, and The Equalizer 2, which I literally just got home from. Um, and I got to say, uh, Sullivan's Travels was one of my criterion purchases. So was Midnight uh, Cowboy. Um, Big Tuna bought the Philadelphia story and let me borrow it, uh, because he wanted me to see it. Um, Sullivan's Travel might be one of my favorite films of all time now. Uh, I bought it because I'd read, it was this excellent film and I've read it was, it's on the t- AFI top 100 list and it's on a bunch of other lists. Um, knew very little about it. I I absolutely love the film. It is amazing. It's funny, but it's dramatic. It uh, it's just, it's just awesome filmmaking, and uh, it's very meta for its time. Um, Midnight Cowboy is awesome, Corey. You've not watched it yet, I take it. No. And uh, I really want to push. Um, if you are at a theater somewhere, and sorry to bother you, is playing. I think you should definitely check it out. Uh, that's to listeners and to Corey. Because, I was to say
1: to me, you're the listener.
0: <laughs> because it is, um, it's not a movie everyone's going to like, but it's such a unique film. It's it's one that I think everyone should experience. Um, it does have some nudity, kind of, uh, so be warned on that regard. Um, I did bring my daughter and, uh, I don't know that she, she said she liked it. I definitely think it it's stayed with her, um... I really enjoyed it. I think there's a lot going on. It's got its share of, you know, challenges, I guess you could say, but it's so different and innovative and it's funny, but it's, it's very of its time and definitely worth a watch. The other one, Hearts Beat Loud, um, if this is playing near you, please go see this movie, especially if you're feeling down at all, um... I just feel like it's such a happy, optimistic, upbeat movie, and there is, it's not sappy or, like, overly saturated with ridiculousness, it's just, there's a positive vibe in the film, and it's between Nick Offerman, um, Toni Collette's great in it, and then I, I'm so bad with her name, I'm gonna get the young actress's name real quick, but, um, I got to see this at the Florida Film Festival, but I got to take my daughter to our local theater, um, our local independent theater of the um Polk Theater uh Kiersey Clemens. um but Sasha Lane is also fantastic and I gotta give a shout out to Ted Danson I just I just think he's so, <laughs> he great. Was so great um and Brett Haley Hi. is the director he also did uh The Hero last last year which I enjoyed a lot with Sam Elliott and Nick Offerman um but you got to see that but um I don't want to jump on you uh, it, what have you seen since the last time we spoke
1: Okay, so obviously Garden State, I try to be prepared for this podcast. Um, Arachnophobia, because I've been dying to watch it lately for some reason. Out of nowhere, I have no idea. Hmm. Um, And Heart Beats Loud. So my friend and I were supposed to go to that murder mystery thing on Friday. Yes. But I had a spot, but she was on, like, standby. Oh. Which was very weird, and if we would have known that that was going to happen like because we were going to be characters in it and it oh. just yeah so I really wanted to go but I didn't want to go by myself so we went and saw Heartbeats loud and mm-hmm. agreed. greed so my <laughs> my heart um ha- hasn't really felt in the right place you know I don't even know how to really explain that sometimes um getting my heart back in the right place I go to see like live music or something, but this movie totally did that for me and I loved it so much. It's no secret that I have a crush on Nick Offerman. I'm sorry, not sorry. Megan. Da-da-da-da. Um <laughs> but um I loved it so much. The music was so good and it did just make you feel really good and I just, you know, teared up a lot. At a couple of the Mm -hmm. parts. For sure. And I had to, like, lean around my friend and look at her significant other to see if he was doing okay, because we were, like, getting emotional. Um, It was just such a good movie, and I could tell everybody, because I had to go see it at the flicks, I could tell that everybody in the theater... You know, felt good watching it too, and I love Ted Danson. Uh, Did he go to Woodstock? Uh, He he's a (laughs) bar owner that loves weed. It's just really funny, and I feel like I haven't seen him in anything in a long time.
0: Ah, you need to watch The Good Place. Um,
1: Ah, okay.
0: He is the co-star. I would say he's probably like it's a fairly ensemble. It's Kristen Bell's show, but Ted Danson is a vital role, and he is fantastic on The Good Place. Uh, I really like
1: her. Oh, I are don't you kidding? Think she's funny. Oh, mm-hmm. I love no. Kristen
0: Bell. I think she's so, I, 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 In fact, I love her as a not like, not like oh I, I'm in love with her, but like no, I know. If you watch her Instagram, um, she just seems like one of the coolest people, and she's so down to earth. Her and uh, her husband Dak Shepard, they just, I just think they're like the coolest celebrities. And I don't usually feel that way, but like, um, I, I think it was during the hurricanes here in Florida they came down and helped people in Orlando like. They're just awesome people, and uh, I I enjoy her, um, generally. But I I think you need to give The Good Place a try, just because it's so funny. Um, Not just her. Like, the people around her are also really good. But uh, Ted Danson, in particular, on The Good Place. And season one is on Netflix. Season two, hopefully, will be there soon, because I am dying to watch it. Um,
1: Is it a Netflix show? No,
0: no. I think it's NBC? Okay. I'm not sure. But, um it's not I think season one was only like a half season at, like oh. they do with a lot of pilot type seasons you know they're not sure how it's going to do and um man it uh, oh uh Adam Scott shows up at some point too so I'll just yes. to throw that in there um it it's super funny I I got hooked I don't usually binge TV anymore and I I binge that show within like a week I think so um there's not many I think there's only 10 episodes or 12 episodes or something like that but it's it's super good I, I highly recommend The Good Place um especially if you like Ted Danson because I think he is uh he gets to shine in that show um now
1: and I've just been catching up on True Blood again so that's all I got
0: you know I've I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast but I I have a guilty pleasure show um and Corey knows what it is you know you know (laughs) what it is right yes what is it
1: is it Friends
0: it is Friends um it's 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 a show that I've seen. I can't even tell you how many times. And I know it has tons and tons of problems. Um, and like, there's the the simplest one is that it's super white in New York, which makes no sense. Um, you know, it should be a mixed a mixed cast, and it is not at, at all. It's not representative of that state in any way not even just with the main characters but just like the people at the coffee shop and it is like whitewashed New York City and of course it's not filmed in New York City it's filmed in LA but it's set in New York um but I I have been uh just I throw them on when I work and when I'm doing stuff like if I'm writing or whatever because I've seen it so many times so it's easy for me to have on and not watch but I also I won't lie like there are times where if I'm just not feeling like doing anything and I don't want to start a movie because I don't want to like commit to two hours or whatever, I'll throw an episode on, and I've been going through... I've never watched it consecutive episodes. Like, I've seen all the episodes several, several times because I've re reruns, but, you know, you just kind of hop in with reruns, but I'm, like, putting it on Netflix and just, like, going episode by episode, and I've never watched it that way. Um, I'm I'm through episode... I'm through season six. Uh, I just started season seven. How um, many are there? Ten. Yeah, ten, ten. years. Which, uh, it's kind of crazy because it, like... My I'm bad with time, anyways. Like, cause uh, season seven starts with Chandler proposing. Well, not starts. It's a few episodes in, but proposing to Monica, uh, which was the last episode I watched was uh, the proposal episode. And I guess spoilers for Friends if you've never watched it. Sorry, um, sorry, not sorry for real. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I. <laughs> um, but I I do love that show, and so I've been. That's been my. Like, if I'm just working, I've been throwing it on. Because I re I rewatched The Office, and I love The Office. And I have been uh, throwing reruns on of that when I make dinner and stuff. Because it's, like, on Comedy Central when I'm making dinner. So I'll throw DirecTV Now on and just have it in the background.
1: I, that's what I love. Because, like, I've tried to watch. Because sometimes I just run out of time. And I have a confession. I will wash laundry, and I always have clean clothes. But there one of my most hated chores is to like actually fold and put away the clothes so sometimes I end up with like six or seven loads that I have to take care of and also I mean I don't wear white socks but I have to like pair my husband's and you know like I've tried watching our movies or I've tried watching any movies while I'm like trying to do a chore like that and it's like it sounds stupid because you don't really have to think about laundry, but you can't, like, no, yeah. divide your attention. So that's – I love TV for that, too. Like, I agree. Especially if you've already seen it. You're
0: especially just... if you're not reviewing it. Like, cause a lot of times I'm watching movies, I have the intention of reviewing it unless I've already uh-huh. seen it before or if I've already reviewed it before. But with TV, I don't usually do reviews of TV. I have a couple of times, and we've had a few other writers do it. But um, I don't I don't want to do, like, an episode-by-episode review and sometimes I just don't have enough to say about a show, but like, and I've, I've seen The Office dozens of times and whatever. So yeah, it's, I'm the same way. If I'm doing anything, um, that I need to be able to focus or whatever, TV is my go-to, um, or a movie that I've seen a bunch, but sometimes it's hard to, cause I know I'm not going to want to start it and stop it.
1: I feel like with a movie though, I just want to be present. Mm. I don't know. Like, I don't want to be doing anything while I'm watching a movie. Well, like, I'm there to veg
0: like, well, Scott Pilgrim versus the world, for example, like I can watch, I've seen that movie, I can't even tell you how many times, I could throw that on at any time, one, it will distract me for sure, I will get, I will get wrapped up in moments and not do what I'm doing, but two, once I started, I have to finish it, where like, you know, I know Friends is 22 minutes, almost every episode is only 22 minutes, so like, I know, it's almost like a, a time piece for me too like oh i've been working for 22 minutes i haven't done enough i need to take a break from tv and sometimes i'll just let it sit on like the screen because i've got my netflix set up where it doesn't autoplay it just stops and you have to tell it to play the next episode that's the most
1: annoying thing ever john
0: well i did that because we have our cable company has a a limit on our data um so to stop it yeah we are with uh, a company whose name i won't say but um, you only have a hundred gigabytes and because we've cut the cord for cable, we stream everything. So I have to manage my data every, uh, month and it's usually fine, but because we, my daughter and I both play games, sometimes we get, you know, we'll download a new game and that can eat up a lot of data. So, uh, to manage it, so I don't like fall asleep watching TV and it just keeps playing episode after episode. I have it stopped. Um, so that it doesn't just eat my data when I'm sleeping or something. Because sometimes I'll fall, like, uh, Kathy was out of town, so I did fall asleep watching friends um, each night because I was alone and I don't like being alone. So, um.
1: The truth is coming out on this yeah, episode.
0: But, you know, I'm sorry, guys. But, um, <laughs> you know, I had it, I, if I had fallen asleep with it just where it was normal Netflix, it would have just kept streaming all night, and that's eating up my data for nothing and my electricity because the TV turns off when it stops and all that. So, um,. you know that's that's kind of my uh my thought process but um real quick before we get into uh garden state because we 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 powered through all the movies we didn't do like what i normally go into a little detail for each film but i do want to talk about the equalizer real quick have you ever seen the equalizer Corey? no so i had not either and i bought uh the first one on blu-ray because fye had it um any if you bought anything in the store you got it for five bucks and it was Blu-ray with digital, so I was like, "Sweet, I'll I didn't snag get that." Close. Not the one, uh, the one here did, but the one in Lakeland has not, which is the not where I got it. So sad. I was at the uh, Altamont Springs Mall um, for a screening of Sorry to Bother You, and I bought uh, I bought a couple things there. They had um, Rogue Nation Steelbook for ten bucks with digital Blu-ray, um, and I needed that one to complete my Mission Impossible collection, so I snagged that. And then they had that for five bucks, and they had a brand new Weird Al pop vinyl where he's in his fat costume from the Fat Music video and I had to have that because I'm a Weird Al nerd. And um, but So I watched Equalizer uh, the other night with my friend David uh, who is the editor at BurkeReviews.com, and with my daughter and I really like the first half, maybe even the first three quarters, but definitely the first half and I just saw Equalizer 2 and it's the same problem The movie starts really character-driven, and you have this really, you know, super awesome... uh, You don't know what he is in the first movie, so I'm not going to go into the specifics. Um, But he is very, very good at what he does, and that's how he is depicted. That he is the best at something. And by the end of the movie, it's like he forgets who the character is, and he becomes like Kevin McAllister from Home Alone. And he's luring criminals into rooms that he has set some random booby traps, but not nearly as planned as, like, Kevin McAllister or the character that we met at the beginning of the movie. Like, he just goes rogue. And you're like, who is this character now? And it's not Denzel's fault. It's, I assume it's the writer's fault. Um, Antoine Fuqua is the director, uh, but Richard Wank-, Wank wrote the first film. And I think, yeah, he wrote the second. So I I attribute it to him not knowing how to end the movies because they go way over the top with action at the ends. And um, Equalizer 2 is unfortunately worse than the first one. Um, Partly, definitely script-wise, I was laughing at some of the choices they, they made because, like, he's lured these bad guys to a place and has taken the time to, like, apparently printed a bunch of pictures and just stapled them to a wall like i just it's just so contrary to who the character has been established to be and the character in the first half of the movie i think is really interesting and i i'm i i like him and i'm really compelled by him and it's a lot of it is denzel but um you know just his acting but it's also the character's is intriguing because Again, I'm trying not to spoil the first film for people. The second film, there's no question of who he is right from the get go, we get to we're reminded of who he was in the first movie and the first half of the first movie. But um I I, I still like them. I, I like the second one less, but I think there's uh something it's so strong in the first half and then it just plummets in my opinion, the second half. Um I just wanted to point that out so my review for Equalizer 2 will be up by Monday my review for the Equalizer will be up tomorrow which you will will be yesterday when you're hearing this because this comes out on Sunday but um, yeah so I think uh, Corey if unless you have anything else you want to talk about before we get into um, our review of Garden State
1: I'm sorry I'm yawning a lot guys Ah. no I'm good
0: all right well let's get into the stats for Garden State it's from 2004 Um, it is directed by and written by Zach Braff it also stars Zach Braff so you got the Holy Trinity there Um, you get Peter Sarsgaard Natalie Portman Ian Holm kind of he's in it a little bit he is the uh, the father and I guess that's the only people we really need to get into name wise Um, there's a few cameos that show up throughout the film Jim Parsons has a really small role Uh, Gene Smart has a very small role um Ron uh Ron Liebman Liebman who is uh Rachel's dad and friend so that was exciting for me um did you notice young Anne Dowd no she's Natalie Portman's mother which we only get in like one scene but I've seen several films with Anne Dowd she was in Hereditary um and she's in
1: is she the grandma
0: no she no, is no she's the...
1: the crazy lady with the wheat oh yep
0: never mind sorry yeah, i was gonna say slow slow your roll there um but yeah uh she is she's always great she was on the leftovers tv series um she was in something else this year too i'm trying to remember what it was um but she's she's a terrific actress i almost didn't recognize her because she's very young and oh she's in american animals um that's what it was that's super great too oh and a kid like jake i saw all three of those films um from last year or this year technically sorry and uh I was excited to see her when I realized it was her. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of little cameos in the film. Um, The premise, according to IMDb, is a quietly troubled young man returns home for his mother's funeral after being estranged from his family for a decade. And uh, Corey picked this film because of our theme of the month of July is coming of age stories. And this one is like a midlife crisis type movie. Um, He's trying to kind of find himself again and midlife is definitely not accurate because I don't think he's quite that old, but, um... He's 26. Yeah, so not not quite midlife, but, you know, it's like that... It's kind of the same as The Graduate, in a way. It's that Sometimes same... Sometimes
1: it feels like it, though.
0: Yeah. Not untrue. And he's uh, in a state of uh, essentially arrested development, right? Like, he's not really grown up because of the events of his past. He hasn't let go of things, and he's kind of being forced to come to terms with, um, a lot in this movie. And, um... Well, frankly, I'm kind of curious, Corey. What did you think?
1: Um, Well, I was really hoping for um, more music from the shins. Yeah, I only, was... There's <laughs> only
0: one song, right?
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. One song. Um, and I did really enjoy the soundtrack, and I did go cruising the internet looking for that on vinyl because I know uh it was re- sometime released for record store day I think on orange vinyl and I you know hadn't watched the movie I'm sad that I waited this long but it was one of those movies that so many that, that people loved and I was kind of afraid you know what I mean mm-hmm. I don't know but I I loved it actually
0: oh good um I do I also it so much oh really okay great uh-huh. Um, Natalie. I I like Zach Braff. Um, and a lot of people don't apparently. Uh, I like this movie. I like his. Uh, I think, Wish You Were Here. I always screw up the name of that movie, but I really like that film a lot. I feel
1: like that's the only other one of his that I've seen.
0: Well, and he just did. Um, Going in Style. I think is the name of the film with. Oh, it's the first one he's directed where he's not the lead, but it's uh Morgan Freeman, um, Michael Caine and uh Alan Arkin with Joey King. Um, where they're the old men who robbed the bank Like he directed that Oh yeah, um, It's the okay. first film, he's not in it at all I don't think either I think he's completely off camera for that um, And I think that's it I think he's only done the three films But um, I like his two uh, directed and, and starring ones He's he's very similar characters in both um, He likes to do the stoic kind of brooding male lead uh, this one has a very famous trope, though, that I definitely want to start off with right now. Do you oh know God. what trope I'm talking about?
1: I'm really bad at this.
0: It's, no, no, it's, it's not something everyone will know, but it's something that people should know. Um, and it's Natalie Portman's character. She's what we call, uh, what the industry calls, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Um, and essentially, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is introduced to the brooding, um, often, you know, stoic male lead who is trying to find themselves... And she exists basically to, um, you know, for his needs. Uh, This is uh, from the TVTropes.org. The Manic Pixie Dream Girl is here to give new meaning to the male hero's life. She's stunningly attractive, energetic, high on life, full of wacky quirks and uh, idiosyncrasies. Which, obviously, she's um, presented as a liar. And a few other things. Pathological (laughs) liar. Often with a touch of wild hair dye. Uh, Hers is, I think, more the helmet. Um, which I think she explained, but I don't remember what she said it was, um... Epilepsy. Ah, that's... Um... She will focus her crazy antics, uh, until he learns to live freely and love madly, which definitely fits for this role in this film, um...
1: Okay, I'm happier not knowing that.
0: (laughs) Well... Worst woman ever. (laughs) No, but I mean, it's something that I think we should always draw attention to, because, um... Natalie Portman's character doesn't really seem to have any ambitions of her own outside of like she meets this guy randomly and she definitely pushes him to, you know, break out of his stoicism and um find love and and to really embrace life. And part of his stoicism in the beginning of the film is that he's been heavily medicated um by his psychologist who is also his father which is ethically
1: I feel like that's wrong a very, i was just about to say that is i can understand like i i kind of you know i don't know how to explain my job but i kind of work in the medical field very non-clinical but i like was like that's I can understand people wanting to go to their family because it'll save them money, and it's someone who might be personally invested in their care, but very unethical, I feel like, also, but...
0: Well, I don't think he, it was by his choice. I think his dad... No. Yeah. Um, and the other doctor that he sees, which is the guy I just said who was Rachel's father on Friends, um, basically says that outright, like, that, that, you need a new psychologist, and that's your dad knows better. Um, but... Um, You know there's a tragic story that i won't say here because this is non-spoiler area uh but we will get into that explains um zach braff's character uh andrew's kind of whole life and why he's been away from his family for 10 years and um you know we see him kind of like just going through the motions he's an actor but he's also a waiter which is a whole kind of funny sequence at the beginning um when the girl (laughs) asks for bread and he's just like we don't have bread (laughs) Um, but I, I also, I've seen this now twice. This is your first time. I've seen it twice. I, I still liked it. Um, I am a fan of his, and despite knowing that Natalie Portman's character is a manic pixie dream girl, um, and I don't think that's good writing, I do think that a writer has the right to kind of work through what they're working through, and I, I do feel like Zach Braff is working through something here. I don't necessarily know what, but...
1: Well i was reading that apparently some of this is based off of his real life
0: yeah so from his perspective he needed this love interest and while i would like to think men don't just objectify women um he is writing solely from his point of view i i feel like i think this movie's heavily on andrew and while it's still a trope and it's not what we want we want our i mean um, you could argue that Deborah from Baby Driver fits into the Manic Pixie Dream Girl category. At the very least, she is an object, object of Baby's affection who has no apparent goals of her own as she meets him and is willing to give up everything she has to go off with him at a whim and doesn't seem to have any goals of her own out, outside of being with Baby. And um, I feel like that one's much more obvious because I feel like Natalie Portman brings so much character um and personality to the character um
1: I I like at first she was annoying like I don't know if I could handle knowing a person like that or having them in my bubble (laughs) sorry it's a little too much for me but um I enjoyed watching it you know like and I don't know like the delivery of some of what she said was just so good
0: yeah uh, and, I mean, she can bring some emotion, though, when she gets upset.
1: We, okay, so we need to talk about this, because, dear everyone, oh, Jesus, now that I'm talking about it, I'm forgetting the title. What was that movie that came out earlier this year with her annihilation and Yes. So, while we were being those people in the movie, um, I just turned to my friend, and I was like, she needs an Oscar for crying.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, she's the best crier I think I've ever seen on Facebook film
0: and we know who the worst is
1: well claire danes that's john's is, opinion oh, i'm a come fan on. of claire
0: danes <laughs> you can't say she's a good crier though right
1: <laughs> i can't think of anything that she's crying i can't
0: romeo win. and juliet and and oh, God. igby goes down or, i haven't you, seen igby goes down i own it you should watch it and white wait because she cries exactly the same way that she cries at the end of romeo and juliet and it's just as bad it is literally sounds like Goofy She's laughing. It's always
1: going to be Angela Chase to me. Anyways.
0: See, you gotta let <laughs> things like that go. But nonetheless... Uh, no!
1: Because Jordan Catalano will always be Jordan Catalano 30 years later.
0: <laughs> yeah, Jared Leto, though. I mean... Come on.
1: Anyone he went and played the freaking Joker. Okay, moving on.
0: Well, I think uh, it's clear that Corey and I both liked Garden State. Um we it's not available to stream for free but it is available on all digital platforms um for you know 10 bucks and you can get it on uh oh i'm wrong it's on hbo go that's i forgot all about hbo it is on hbo if you uh, have access to hbo you can watch garden state right there or you can order it on blu-ray or dvd on amazon pretty cheap i think it's like six bucks or something for blu-ray seven bucks something um so there's definitely ways to get it it's it is uh, if you go to... I've always found it at, like, every used DVD store. Like, if you find... Because I think this was a really popular film back when it came out. And then people either grew out of it or maybe turned against Zach Brath, Or they bought it because a friend said it was really great. And it is... It's very indie. It's definitely got an indie vibe to it. And um, if, it, if that kind of thing annoys you. And some people really hate the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope. Like, you mentioned she kind of got on your nerves at first. Some people, that never goes away. And so... There's a small chance uh, you may not like elements of this film. It works for us. Uh, we're going to get into spoiler territory. So, Corey.
1: Dun, dun, dun. Guys, starting now. Spoilers. You've been warned. We're going to talk about this movie in great detail. Boom.
0: We have not talked about Peter Sarsgaard yet, and... Um...
1: <laughs> okay, I kind of like him a lot. I haven't seen him in a whole lot, mm-hmm. but I've liked him in everything that I've seen him in.
0: I feel like I've seen him more, and yet, at the same time, like he's the villain in Magnificent Seven, um, which is not, not necessarily a great performance. Uh, it's very over-the-top. Um, of course, that's also Antoine Fuqua, who just I just was kind of berating for uh, Equalizer 1 and 2. Um, I saw him in uh, Black Mass, but I don't remember him in Black Mass. Um, I, Blue Jasmine was a Woody Allen movie he was in, I saw. Uh, he's the villain in Green Lantern, which... I don't know. We forgave Ryan Reynolds. Do we forgive him? I don't know. Is The uh,
1: Husband and the Orphan oh. a movie that I love? I
0: need to watch that movie. This movie keeps coming back into my... Oh my god, life. it's so creepy! I need to watch this movie. Um, oh my
1: god, and it has... Um, Vera Farmiga. Yes!
0: Yeah, I know. I, I just clicked on it too. Uh. Um, but that's not the movie I was thinking. Orphanage is the movie I need to watch. Um,
1: Doesn't that have Katie Holmes?
0: I don't know, but it's got a director who now I know think No, that's
1: Guillermo del Toro. No. What? The orphanage. It's I'm somebody sorry.
0: who just did something I saw that I really liked. Um, or maybe I, I don't know. It's wh- whoever, whatever it is. It is
1: here about del Toro.
0: Well, then maybe that's not it. I can't. I'm, it's not coming to me, obviously. But in uh, Shattered Glass, I saw which I'm a big fan it. of Shattered Glass. It is the best Hayden Christensen film um, by far, and poor Hayden, poor Hayden Christensen, indeed. But I really like this character um, of Mark that is the old friend um, of Andrew who he kind of falls back in with, and there's a, a couple of scenes with them doing drugs, which is are funny. Uh, the scene when he wakes up after doing all the drugs, uh, Andrew, and he's at um, Mark's house, and Mark's mom has slept with a knight from the uh, uh, Medieval Times, who is Jim Parsons, Sheldon, um, from Big so Bang Theory. I'm so
1: confused about that. I'm so confused about that whole situation because it seems like she knows him really well. So do they work together and this is like the first time? Yes. It doesn't... Correct. Okay.
0: Yeah. She is uh, like a cook there, I believe, or like works in the restaurant and he is a newly acquired knight at the uh, Medieval Times. And yeah, it's their first time fooling around, or at least that's the implications. Um, Obviously, Mark went to school with him, so there's a huge age difference. Uh, Mark is not happy that this guy he went to school with is banging his mom. Um, there's some funny jokes. Uh, Zach Braff, Andrew's character has the word balls written on his head because he passed out at a party. And, uh, oh my so...
1: gosh!
0: But when he gets the uh, the, MRI the MRI and he's got it all written over all his whole chest, and we did. Oh man, that cracks me up every time. I, I always was forget. like, what the
1: hell? Well, that's like what I wasn't really expecting about this movie. Is I liked, like, yeah, it's indie, but I enjoyed so much of it visually. Like, yeah. Even if it wasn't like crazy million dollar editing i just enjoyed it so much and i love the opening scene where he's like on the plane and the plane's like oh yeah going nuts and we're i mean you get the feeling this plane is gonna crash it's like far beyond just some normal turbulence everybody else is flipping out yep. and he is just sitting there with all of this going around on around him just totally numb not reacting whatever and so there were just, like, little things like that that I really, really liked.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, I can see why people don't like this type of movie. Um, I should note, this has a 7.5 on IMDb user score and a 67 Metacritic. So it's overall positive. Some of the critics that I, I listen to, I've heard bash films like this. I, I like these type of movies. Um, maybe I relate to them. Uh, it is a white male, often-centric film when we have things like this. Um that's not why i like it but it it is
1: you know sometimes
0: i feel off you know i feel out of place i mean um it it is one of those films where i could see you you don't like because he appears to be well off like we see him working at a restaurant but like there's a, a scene where um the guy's getting uh andrew's getting money like he's going and he's having to do all these weird things to to get a present for him and he's just like dude if you needed money and so like the implications there and now his dad is a, a psychiatrist we get the vibe that he's being taken care of maybe even by his dad um and that he's okay financially like he's he's a waiter and he's he's an actor he was in some tv show that we Every hear about a
1: successful person in LA i feel like
0: it's a it's a trope right it's a it's a standard like if you're a an actor you're you're paying your dues by being a waiter at some restaurant i
1: want to talk about to um, I love that scene where it like shows him in the traffic and it shows everybody going into I'm assuming downtown LA and there's like nobody coming the other way like outside. I thought mm. was pretty funny. And then I love when he apparently got gas and he, the like oh gosh,
0: he leaves the nozzle in the car.
1: And it broke yeah so and then he walks into the restaurant the owner is like giving him hell it's like super stressful super high pace really whatever and then he walks out and some at some point he smeared some eyeliner around yeah, his eyes yeah. and it's like super chill and calm and then that woman is bitching about wanting bread we don't I don't have like, bread <laughs> the contrast yeah <laughs> it's like well <laughs> i don't know
0: no i i agree i like so much of the film um you know there's some really cool scenes like him speeding on that the the bike with the sidecar Uh Uh, but again a lot of those are like little indie things that people can get annoyed by i tend to like those little things i don't know i thought that it was fun oh yeah no for sure again it's just one of those things i think people either latch on to or you you latch against you know like this is going to be a pet peeve of mine movies that have these quirky things and do these weird moments um it, like we hear him talk about like he hasn't cried since he was a kid and we learn about his mother that he had um pushed her and she fell and hit her head uh or hurt, hurt her neck and was paralyzed from the neck down because of him and then because of that incident he's basically lived his life as though he was this evil horrible person and, and
1: lithium
0: yeah uh, diagnosed to uh control his anger that is debatable if he ever had um and I love the the whole point. Like, the, his he feels like so much of his life has been decided by a little plastic latch. Because the dishwasher had a faulty latch that it would just fall open. And that's why she fell and hit her neck on that. Um, he didn't mean for her to fall. And, you know, his point of is, in any other moment, that could have been nothing. But this it, the way it happened made it a big deal. And it altered his life dramatically as a result of that one action. And... Um, he's allowed it to and this is at at age 26 he's finally deciding to make choices for himself he's not going to live in the the punishment that his dad has essentially put him in um and he's not going to be the person that everyone thinks he is because of that one moment in his life and i i appreciate that you know I, i i don't necessarily think he's innocent you shouldn't push a person and Uh, a kid putting their hands on their mother is definitely something I think we would all say is sounds despicable but we don't know we don't get to see there's no flashback we don't see how they were we don't know what was going on um but the person he appears to be doesn't seem to be a bad one you know he doesn't do anything that would be I mean he does drugs and that's wrong per se but that's a debatable wrong I think there's people who would side one way or the other with that um
1: He's not but, intentionally hurting anyone.
0: Correct. We don't see any tendencies of anger or violence. Um, even he, like the the dog, starts humping his leg at the hospital, and she <laughs> yeah. she tells him to kick it in the balls, and he's just he doesn't. He just is going to let the dog do its thing, which is definitely a metaphor. And it's a that's I think some people might complain that a lot of the metaphors are are kind of obvious, maybe even a little on the nose. But well,
1: some of us, I'm, eh.
0: but I'm okay with that. I don't know. I don't always disagree if the metaphor... Like, if the if the movie doesn't outright say it, then I'm okay with it being a little on the nose with the metaphor. Because um, at, no, at no point do I feel like he says... Maybe at the end. He might kind of say it at the end when he decides to not fly away. And he shows up and gets her out of the phone booth. Which, her crying in the phone booth is very, very much an independent movie type of sequence. But I also I love know, it. I ugly
1: cry like that.
0: But it fits, well, I mean, the fact that she's in a phone booth, you know, like, but it fits her character. Well, it was
1: 2004, too.
0: I just mean to say that she decided not to leave the airport, <laughs> that she decided to go ha- find a phone booth and sit and cry. Um, and again, you ugly cry. You have to cry.
1: gather yourself. You have to, like, you can go out and drive or get a ride. <laughs> looking well, and, like and that. the no. second
0: argument, I think, would be that he found her in the phone booth you know like yeah. what are the odds that he would find her in the phone booth like I, most likely he would have left she's the airport crying loud enough. no <laughs> so I was like you guys see that woman crying in the in the phone booth
1: yeah everyone just like um i so again with the visual things about the movie i in backing up a little bit first of all the lady singing at the funeral i love that it. it was just so bad oh yeah <laughs> like it was just so bad um and then she made him a shirt, and she makes him try it on, and he's, like, put off because it's his mother's funeral, and then it matches the wallpaper.
0: Well, but don't forget, though, what's more, she takes a very passive-aggressive jab at him, that I, in case oh, I don't see you again for you nine years. At- yeah. Yeah. It was like, that's... Uh, like, F you. Yeah. That was a very, like, low blow. Yes, at he... his mother's
1: funeral, nonetheless. Which
0: he's probably feeling guilty about because he hasn't seen his mother for nine years. Um, and now she's gone. And, of course, he already had guilt issues because she was in a wheelchair because of him. also wondering,
1: like, how welcome did he feel at home? I'm wondering.
0: We get a lot of the vibe that him and his dad have a very tough relationship. Um, so I imagine not very much, uh, right? Not, not there. Um, and, uh, the whole exploration... What, I like Method Man. I want to point that out. I, I'm a fan of Method Man. I like him as a rapper. Um, I also like... I'm a fan of his, him and Red Man's film How High. I've always found that movie to be funny. Not not saying it's a good movie. That's one I could be defensive over. Um, but I thought his character in this was a little bit much. Because, like, some of the, the dialogue he gets, I feel like, goes too far with him being, like, upset about, like, them wanting the the... Whatever it was, he was giving him the address or whatever to get the the necklace that was his mother's necklace, that I guess she was supposed to be buried with. But I'm guessing somebody stole. Yeah. Um. And yet, uh, Sarsgaard got it back to make sure it went to him and not in the ground. Um, but uh, we we meet Dennis O'Hare's character Albert at this uh, quarry or like they were building a mall and then there was like a natural Grand Canyon <sighs> underground is how they describe it in the film, and he's living in a boat on the edge of it, which is, yeah, um, again, very independent film-type situation. It's and, fine, I would totally do that. Yes, but... Um, <laughs> and then there's the... What, like I mentioned, the blatant metaphors, because uh, Zach Rafts tells him, good luck exploring the infinite abyss, and then his response is, you too. So yeah, very blatant, obvious uh, metaphor for life. Um, it's an infinite abyss. And... <laughs> A little cynical and a little sad, but at the same time not because you're exploring it and
1: and if you're aware,
0: yeah, um, I I think and that's the movie definitely ends on the upbeat happy note, uh, partially thanks to the manic pixie dream girl. Um, you know he's he's found love and he's going to not run away from it. He's going to embrace it, and uh, that's the the ending, I guess, right? Like it's him telling her that he wants to see where this goes, that he loves her and she's clearly in love with him and i really like that a lot um one of the things that i when i first saw this film and i had forgot when i was watching it the second time i couldn't remember what was off with her but she we know she was at the the doctor the neurosurgeon type brain doctor guy um when that's where he meets her i i get this feeling when i see the movie that we're gonna get a reveal that she has like cancer and only has so much time to live and they don't do that um, but each time, my brain goes to that, where I'm like, oh my god, there's going to be some reveal later in the film that she's dying, and this is all, like, it's going to mess with him more. Um, but maybe he'll he'll just embrace what time he has with her. But that's not what happens, and I, I, I do appreciate that, because it definitely could have gone that direction. Um, I mean, she has ep- epilepsy, which it, it's, it could be, you know, a life-threatening illness. I, I have had friends who have died from um, epilepsy, and... You know it's nothing to uh to, to to look you know oh it's not serious but no. it's still not it's not like a she has a brain tumor and three months to live which is where i thought
1: the movie was gonna go. Gives it like this ridiculous sense of urgency yeah um i i uh <laughs> kind of i don't know I, I don't really know i didn't realize that was method man oops oh like, really method man yeah
0: yeah he's the guy who's uh apparently like showing people, like, uh, prostitutes having sex in the hotel that he
1: works at as a bellboy. <laughs> yeah, I can't even handle that. Um, yeah. I thought, though, I don't know. Uh, I like Dennis O'Hare a lot, so I didn't know he was in this, so that was a uh-huh. happy surprise. I love that we... I love that scene. That's the cover. You know, some of the versions the, of the movie. Yeah, them in the trash Where they're bags. yelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I don't
0: know. I'm no, I like that scene a lot too. Um, and I, again, we, we 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 talked about Sarsgaard, but kind of bounced around. But I, I really liked him um, as the kind of quirky wingman of sorts. Um, the unexpected wingman too, because it's not something he's looking for, but he he kind of like forces his way back in. Even the, he's a collector; he has lots of little investments, and he has the Desert Storm <laughs> trading cards. Uh, oh my. <laughs> I I like
1: the characters a lot in this movie, and I don't feel like, while necessarily this isn't stuff that hasn't been done before, I still thought it was pretty unique. Yeah. And I... I don't know. I liked... I liked I like people in it a lot. I agree. the, The friend that has invented silent Velcro. Yes. And...
0: I'm trying to find who that is. I don't see an image that looks like the guy. I don't know if it's, um... I don't know who it is, because, like, none of these descriptions look right. Like, Obnoxious Girl or Dave? Is it Dave?
1: I think that it might be Dave.
0: Then it's Alex Burns, and he doesn't have an IMDb photo, so maybe it was just, like, a one-time did-this-movie-with-Zach-Braff. Or was it Kenny? If it's Kenny, it's Michael Weston, and that kind of looks like him. But he's got, like, facial hair. I don't know. Um, Either way, I like that element, too, that he's, like, got tons of money because he invented silent Velcro. Uh, which i don't know if that's we real' with our lives <laughs> yeah but um yeah i i also enjoy this film i think it's really fun um we know that our our friend mike who does the top five movies with corey and i uh is a fan of this film in fact had this on his top five dynamic duos uh, that we did recently um and so yeah i'm glad we finally i'm glad you finally got to see this because I, I i wasn't sure watching this because a lot of times, I would say, Corey, that you're a little quirky yourself. And, um, I, I don't have know missed... I not to
1: take that, but we'll roll with it. I think it's a
0: compliment. Um,
1: okay. You think? Th- you think? There, oh, have been,
0: no. there have been movies where I expect you to like them because of characters with weird quirks that you've hated. The one that comes to mind the most Fuck is Hello, yes. My Name is
1: Doris. Use my language, but I hated that movie. Yes. And Sally Field was adorable in it, and I guess that I just really hated all the characters that they were trying to... I also hated While We're Young. I just... Mm. Yep. I just... I don't know.
0: Which I can see why you would hate that movie. and Like, not you, you, but like the general... Like, I could see people... I think with While We're Young, you either latch on or you don't, and that's going to be a huge in or out. And I guess that's kind of true with Zach Braff, too, but... Um, I, I'm not always a big fan of Ben Stiller. I definitely don't like him in a lot of comedies. That um, seems unfair. I think I got uh, very set in my dislike of him from uh, Meet the Fockers and Meet the Parents and that whole set of movies. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, But like I like him in Along Came Polly, which is not a great movie, but I like that movie. Philip Seymour Hoffman is hilarious in that film. Um, I like
1: him, even though he's like supposed to be a detestable person, but I really like him and now I'm forgetting the name of the movie, Reality Bites.
0: Yeah, um, you, you know, that movie's got that same kind of hipster vibe, but before hipsters were a term. Um, but, you know, it's definitely that kind of, uh, you know, anti-establishment, anti, you know, it's the same rebelling against the norm of the status quo type thing that hipsters are, I think ironically now. I don't know. It, it's the same type of thing, but there's a different attitude. I feel like it, when Reality Bites came out, that was an endearing quality, and now, like, hipsters have this kind of negative connotation about them, that, like, if, if you call someone a hipster, it's almost more derogatory than it is complimentary. I get uh, really
1: offended when you call me that, actually. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, like, I know that you're just kidding, but...
0: True. Maybe. Kind of. I mean... Um, Damn it, John. <laughs> I would say you have hipster qualities that... Now, My that's to say, to say that hipsters do things that are
1: they're they they're kind of douchey
0: and see that's definitely not my intention because i have another friend uh that i used to do another podcast with um who uh i also call hipster all the time and he does a lot of hipster type things um which again i think you know being outside of the mainstream is a, a quality that the hipsters. Often, uh, ass- ass- And of course, usually they start outside the mainstream and the mainstream be- like assimilates, like vinyl records, for example, which you've been collecting long before it was cool, hence the hipster reference. And now, though, it's become a norm, like where, you know, people are re- now almost every artist releases their albums on vinyl, which was not the thing when you started collecting vinyl, right? Like no. that was it was an obscure thing. Like you had to go only old albums now artists are completely doing that because it's a way to sell physical media because no one's buying cds but they'll buy vinyl um
1: i think sales were up 19 percent last year
0: yeah vinyl is on the uprise meaning that the people who were collecting it ahead of time are now in the mainstream so i don't know are you going to start collecting like eight tracks or cassette tapes again which is a thing i do
1: i do um get a few cassettes but i am also no fool i remember what a pain in the neck those were
0: yeah yeah, like, cassette tapes are like vinyl. I get cassette tapes. I'm like, no, there was nothing better about cassette tapes. Cassette I tapes, tapes that were convenient. Fun, yeah, well, they're convenient. So I was a kid. I do mix, I, I miss mixtapes.
1: Yes,
0: me and too. not mixtapes like because, yeah, you can make a playlist, but that's that's it's like, not the same. I miss sitting all day listening to the cool. radio. What? To record that song that you didn't want to buy, but you really, really wanted a copy of. Or some of
1: us were really poor, John. Yeah. Or we didn't have a music
0: store. Either. And um, you would have, like, you would just hope the DJ wouldn't interrupt the song, you know, like, early, like, come in, like, oh, that was so-and-so, or start the next song too fast. Like, you were just hoping to get a good take of that song. And even if you didn't, you had that, and that was your copy of the song. So when every time you heard it, the DJ would come on and be like, oh, that's the nine at nine. And you're like, oh, stupid jerk DJ. But I miss that, even though it wasn't perfect, because those mixtapes had personality to them. I spent my day making this tape, you know? Like, those, when I listened to it, I knew what I went through. It was a memory. It was almost an experience, like going to a concert. Um, I miss that, because the playlist I can slap together in minutes, and it's all polished and whatever, but...
1: Yeah, even, yeah, I even miss mix CDs. I don't know. I just... They do take so much more thought, you actually have to hand somebody there's something about handing them something that they That's can cool. actually hold.
0: Well and too with a CD and with a set, it's limited, right? A playlist, I can make a playlist, fifteen thousand hours yeah. if I wanted to. You know yeah. um but Word. limiting yourself to like twenty songs. Like, okay, what twenty songs am I gonna put on the CD? And you can do that with a playlist, but it's not a real restriction, it's a self restriction. You know, like I am saying no more than twenty songs. But a CD was saying, no more, because that's all I can hold. Or a tape, it's, th- you know, what, 30 minutes on each side or 45 minutes on each side, something like that? Yeah, Like something like that. It was limited, so you had to make a decision. Uh, playlist, it's its strictly up to you to decide um, how long you want them to be. And we're, we're getting, you know, silly here, but my point is, <laughs> this movie kind of has that vibe to it. And I can see people not clicking with it because of that or clicking with it because of it and again you look at it's it's got positive ratings all the way around um i like this film it works for me Corey liked this film which i am glad because i was a little worried this would fall into that side where it was too annoying and i think it all falls on natalie portman's shoulders i think if you like her you like the movie if you don't like her i think you dislike this film
1: i feel like i haven't seen enough of natalie portman's stuff let's be real but i just feel like i haven't seen her really in a role like this
0: is she is. She, I mean, okay. So I've seen her in a lot, but I'm counting like the Star Wars prequels, which mm-hmm, I don't. I've seen those. I don't dislike her in those movies. Um, we did watch Black Swan together, right? Uh,
1: well, I saw that in theaters.
0: Okay, so we didn't do that for Aronofsky. I watched it for Aronofsky, but we didn't do a podcast for it. Um, Annihilation. We we I saw.
1: Mean, v for Vendetta. I love that. movie. Oh yeah,
0: great. Um, I'm, I saw Jane got a gun, which was mediocre. Um, I wanted to see. I have not seen Jackie, which she won the Oscar for. Um, I tried to watch Song to Song, the Terrence Malick film, but I only got like 10 minutes in and I just couldn't take the style of it. Um, I've been meaning to try going back to it, but I have not. Uh, She's good in Thor. I don't, you know, the first two Thors. I don't necessarily like love her performance there, but I don't dislike her there. Um,
1: Okay, I love Where the Heart Is. I love that movie. I don't
0: think I've seen that. I love it. She plays um,
1: Novalee Nation, and she's pregnant, barefoot and pregnant, and <laughs> in Walmart.
0: <laughs> okay, I, I kind of remember that. Um, I think... I saw Darjeeling Limited, uh, the Wes Anderson film. I don't think she's in it much. I think she's just in flashbacks, and I think she's in the short film with, um, with uh, Jason Schwartzman, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Cadillac something or other. I, I don't see it on her list, though. So. Um... Oh, I've seen Zoolander, but I don't I don't remember her in it.
1: She's been in two Paul McCartney music videos.
0: Yeah, she, and I still haven't watched Heat. Oh, and of course, God, you haven't seen Leon the Professional. Um, no, and I need to. Yeah, which that is... I think that was on Mike's list too, or was that on his...
1: No, I think that it was. So he had
0: two Natalie Portman movies on his list. I didn't realize that. Um,
1: I love when people do that and they don't even realize.
0: I'm sure he realized because... Uh, Probably. But her. she's super young in *Leon the Professional*, and she's amazing in that movie. Like the role she has to play is outstanding. Um, I am definitely a fan of hers. Um, I've I recently saw an article. I wish I didn't read the whole thing. I just saw somebody claim that um, she's overrated as an actress, and uh, made us she's made a, the best
1: career so, ever.
0: She definitely seems to have that skill down, and she's really good in this with that. Um, so I would say. Um, I think I'm going to stay with uh, not quite golden for my rating for this film. Um, And where would you place it, Corey? I'm
1: going with must see.
0: Good for you. I'm happy about that. That's one of the few times you didn't hedge, and I like that. I know. Uh, So for our next episode and our last episode for the coming of age movies, uh, the month of July, we're going to be watching. This is
1: so more your type of movie too. Like I'm glad that you had more picks than me this month because
0: Uh, we didn't. We had two each. In fact, oh, I thought
1: we had five week. We ended no, up with five movies.
0: July was only uh, four. So um, obviously, I can't
1: count. It's
0: okay. I had, I think, l- last month you had five. Um. Or maybe I had. I don't remember. But either way, City of God is a film that I've been trying to watch for a while, and I just I kept putting it off because I knew I really had to sit and watch it, and I know it's supposed to be a really tough watch at times. Um, oh it's, uh, two boys growing up in a violent neighborhood of Rio de Janeiro take different paths. One becomes a photographer, the other a drug dealer. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, I think there's some truth to the story or something like that. Like it's supposed to be a very, very tough watch. Um, and visually supposed to be excellent. It's a 79 meta score, 8.6 IMDb user score directed by Fernando, uh, um, and katia lund co-directed um based on a novel by paulo Linz and screenplay by a name i will butcher if i try so i'm not gonna but um i did do some checking this time cory and it is available to stream on netflix uh so if you have a netflix account you can watch city of god for free um and you can email us your thoughts on city of god at contact at BurkeReviews.com or you can hit us up on social media i am at burkreviews reviews cory
1: at Corey R Star, two R's on the end,
0: and you can read all of our reviews and uh, writings and ramblings on BurkeReviews.com. Um, thank you for listening, and until next time, keep watching movies. This has been
1: a Burke Reviews podcast. burkreviews.com